0: Welcome to our Frontline City Church podcast. This message will activate and inspire you in the supernatural love of God to find your purpose and reach your destiny through Christ. Today's sermon is called Freedom by Grace. Just walking through your greatest challenge. Every single one of us go through stuff. Every one of us gets into trouble in some way. And it's not like as you grow in Christ, you don't have challenges anymore. It's actually supposed to be bigger challenges. It's actually supposed to be growing in the challenge because you're growing. When you're a small child of God and just starting out, sort of like God protects you and it's like a little challenge. And then as you learn to that, he opens up the door a bit more. And he allows actually the challenge to rise and you learn how to overcome the next level. And I want to tell you, your challenge, your Goliath, is the very thing that God is going to use to bring your destiny. Goliath was the one who set up David for kingship. When, Although he was already anointed, although he's already been set apart by God, he was just operating. But then a Goliath stood up. And it challenged everything of who he was and everything that was sacred to the whole country got challenged by Goliath. And that challenge led to him becoming king. Because as you overcome your challenges, so God establishes who you are. So don't worry when a challenge comes. Get excited. And if it's a massive challenge, get massively excited. Because it means you've been promoted. It means you're coming to a next level. Everything we live and breathe is prophetic. Not the prophetic words here. Everything you go through in life is something that that somebody else can see who God is. When you go through your greatest victory or your greatest suffering, it is prophetic so that other people can see God. Let's go to Exodus 14, one of the greatest prophetic acts that God ever did. The Red Sea crossing. So we know they have just left Egypt, and they are a whole lot of slaves. They've never been at war. They've never fought a, a war. They've been suppressed all of their life for 400 years. For 400 years they've been slaves. So all they know is how to be a slave. They haven't faced challenges to overcome as a free nation. They haven't faced issues. Because when you're a slave. You get given food. You don't have to pay for food. You get given accommodation. Although it's bad. But you don't have to trust God for your food. Because it gets given to you. You don't have to trust God for your accommodation. Because it gets given to you. Now God says. Okay, now this group of slaves. Are moving out of there. So now the king was told. That the people had fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us. And that's what the devil says about all of us. The moment you take a step forward, Satan gets upset and says, why have we allowed these people to be set free? Let's go after them. So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots. And all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness. So, you know the story. The ten plagues came, and Moses came and told them that he wants to set them free. And he leads them out, and they leave with boldness. Have you had moments like that with God? That you think now all your problems are solved, the issue is over, I'm leaving with boldness, I'm ready for the next challenge. I am me and God, When we like this, everything is sorted. And they left with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued all the horses that pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea beside P. Haranoth. Before bold Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. You see, they went from boldness to fear by only seeing the army. They haven't yet attacked them, but they walk out with boldness. Hey, we all know that story. And the next Monday morning things are changed. Sunday we are, yes, yes, Lord, we're ready for everything. Monday morning, the devil sort of like just lets us see a glimpse of trouble, and suddenly we in fear. Online people, I want to tell you some of you have walked through and you've known those moments with God and you're ready to step into the next level. And then Satan does something. Somebody talks about sickness. Somebody talks about a child that's not well. Somebody scares you about your finances with bills and things. And suddenly we go into fear. And so they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? And this is the thing that always happens When God starts to move, but it doesn't go the way you planned, we want to go back to where we were. We want to go back to the safety of slavery, the safety of being how it's always been, because we were alive at least there. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Man, whenever you say it would have been better if I never followed God. I spoke last week about times that I've asked God to take the calling away because it gets hard. You must know it is Satan in operation that makes you say, it would have been better if I never stepped up. It would have been better if I never picked up the call. It would have been better if I stayed in my sin. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. You know that that is the most common phrase in the Bible. Those four words, do not be afraid. It's in Joshua. It's all the way through every single time. The prophets often said to their servants, don't be afraid, and then asked God to open their eyes so that they would see what they are seeing. But this is the one instruction that is all the way through the Bible stand still and see the salvation. Okay? You don't have to do anything. Just stand and watch. If I can say that's one word, if you don't be afraid, just watch. (laughs) Expect the changes. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. Not tomorrow, not next week, not the year after next, not 2023 or 2025. God is going to do something today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. I want to tell you people, God is on your side, and God is going to fight for you. Whatever issue you're facing, whatever pressure you're under, whatever situation is holding you back, God says, I'm fighting for you. I'm fighting for you. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Poor Moses, he's somewhere stuck between God and the people that are crying out to him. Tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. So the children of Israel had to do nothing. Moses just had to lift up his rod. Maybe in our circumstances, somewhere, we miss that instruction because we've become so fearful. There's an instruction in the midst of a fight. We would like to think or get ready to fight. Or even because they were against the sea, they might get ready to swim. And they might have jumped into the river and started swimming. Done things in their own strength. But God says, just don't be afraid. Lift up your hand. Lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. So in the midst of your challenge, understand here, they have got the sea on the one side, and an army of people that they've been scared of all of their life Following them. So they stuck against the sea and between the sea and the army, and there's no way out. Who has sometimes faced situations where you thought, God, there's no way out of here. Even you can't be, bring an answer to me, even God can't solve this. You see, and that's how the Israelites felt. There was no way out. So, and I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all the armies of his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I've gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. So often your challenge is for the honor of God. God wants to make such a spectacle of your victory. That everybody knows God is alive. And everybody knows that God is actually the Lord. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And so the cloud and was darkness to the one and it gave light by night to the other. So that the one did not come near the other all night. Oh Lord Jesus. When I prepared I got such an awareness of that moment. You haven't seen the victory yet, but God has built a wall between you and your problem. God has built a pillar of fire and a cloud and said, they can't come to you in the darkest of the night. In the time when you have no hope and you've got no plan and you don't know how tomorrow is going to work out, God says, okay, you can't touch them. You can't get to them. You can't even see them. So understand that between you and your problem, there's a pillar, there's a light, there's a a cloud of the glory of God. Thus it was a cloud in darkness to the one and it gave light by night to the other. So that the one did not come near the other all of that night. Some of us is in that moment in between the victory and the, the challenge. We are facing so much. Don't focus on the enemy. Don't focus on your problems. Just focus on what God has set up. A wall between you. And I believe this is a word for somebody specifically. That you're saying, I know the victory is coming. But in this meantime, am I not going to be destroyed? And God says, I have built a wall between you and whatever is bothering you. It's not going to come near you. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, verse 22. And the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued them and went after them into the midst of the sea. All of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down on, on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. Oh, it's always such an understatement when the Bible says, the Lord troubled the Egyptians. Say, God is troubling my trouble. Whatever you're facing, God is troubling your trouble. God is troubling those things that are coming after you. And then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians and their chariots and their horsemen. Uh, verse 28 Then the waters returned and covered the chariots of the horsemen and all the army of Pharaoh. Not as much as one of them remained. So the Lord saved Israel. Verse 30. That day out of the hand of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. So they went from boldness to fear to victory. So when fear comes, you've got to say, well, the next step is victory. When your boldness gets taken away and you're in trouble and you say, God, I don't see a way out. Know that the next step in the story is victory. The next step is complete annihilation of your problem. They say the Egyptians never bothered them again after that and that is the prophetic picture of baptism that we've all gone through this is the picture where everything that has pursued you up to that day is dealt with when you go through your red sea experience you go through you go under the water and you come out it is like the Israelites who walk through the red sea and saying there's a divide now There might be other problems in the wilderness. But the specific problem that bothered you up to that day is finished and clawed. It is over and done with. It cannot get to you again. And exactly the same way as with that picture of about 4,000 years ago is a picture and a prophetic word that we use today. So God says, I want to use everybody here's life and their challenges... And they're things that they think there's no answer to glorify me and to establish what I want to do in this time. So if your challenge is more than what you can handle, know that there's a God that can handle your problem. The Israelites had no chance against the Egyptians. They weren't trained in war. They didn't have chariots. They didn't even have spears or anything. They had no way of solving this problem. And they were with their back up against a wall, against the sea. There was nowhere to run. There was a mountain on the one side and a sea on the other side. And the Egyptians were coming. There was nowhere to run. And if you're in a place where you think I've got nowhere to run, get excited. Because the next step in the story is your victory. It's your breakthrough. Let's turn to Ephesians 2. Let's take it to the New Testament. Once you were under God's curse, doomed forever for your sins, you went along with the crowd and were just like all the others, full of sin, obeying Satan, and the mighty prince of the power of the air, who is at work right now in the hearts of those who are against the Lord. All of us used to be just as they are, our lives expressing the evil within us, doing every wicked thing that our passions or our evil thoughts might lead us into. We started out bad being born with evil natures, and were under God's anger, just like everyone else. So we were in bondage exactly the same way as what the Israelites were slaves. We were bondage to our own hearts and minds. We did whatever we felt was good. But God is so rich in mercy, verse 4. He loved us so much that even though we were spiritually dead and doomed by our sins, He gave us back our lives again. Whatever has been holding you fast, whatever has bothered you all of your life, God says, I've delivered you from that. I've given your life back. When he raised Christ from the dead, only by his undeserved favor have we ever been saved. Undeserved favor. Did the Israelites, with all their moaning and groaning, deserve to be saved? No, they didn't. God did a miracle to save them. And so in our own lives, in every part of our life, we've had so many testimonies on here of God healing, of God doing the miraculous. And we see sin and sickness come against us. And it wants to hold us back and saying, you are in that box and you're not getting out of it. You cannot do this anymore. But demands, demanded, say, so we're too old. Others say, yeah, we're too young. Others say I'm not good enough. Others say the skin of my the color of my skin is wrong. We have different things that we say why we can't do it. But unmerited favor, undeserved grace. It's not about what you do right or wrong. The God didn't say, Well, for the Israelites, first repent and then I'm going to save you. First fix your life and then I'm going to save you. He just said, obey me in the midst of your trouble. Stretch out your hand and hold out your rod over the water. He didn't say get rid of all fear and repent and cry and worship and give an offering and anything. You see, people think that we have to first fix our lives and then God's going to save us. God says, I just want to save you just as you are. Whatever you're going through, whatever has happened, I want to love you. I want to bring out that unmerited favor. Can we say unmerited favor? Unmerited favor. Sure. Only by his undeserved favor have we ever been saved. And lifted us up from the grave into glory along with Christ where we sit with him in the heavenly realms. All because of what Christ Jesus did. I so laughed, Amanda, because you've referenced that, that I'm a daughter of the king. And um, this is exactly what happens here. We've been seated with him in the heavenly realms. Not because we've done everything right. Not because we've been successful at applying anything. But because of Christ. Because he has lifted us into the glory along with Christ. Where we sit in him in heavenly realms. All because of what Christ Jesus did. And now God can always point to us as an example of how very, very rich His kindness is, as shown in all He has done for us through Jesus Christ. we still today celebrating what happened there at the Red Sea. We say, God, if you can save them, so you can save us. And that's what, exactly what God wants to do in your life. If I can save Jared, if I can save Joni, Anyone here in the front, I can call out all the names. If I can save Hannes, then I can save you as well. And so we are a prophetic picture of the grace of God. Look at this verse. So incredible. Because of His kindness, you've been saved through trusting Christ. And even trusting is not of ourselves. It too is a gift from God. It means that you don't have to conjure up or to work up the faith or trust in God. You've just got to allow His gift to operate in you. You've just got to allow Him to say, I've got you. I give up my fear and I know you've got it. So your faith is even not by effort. It is by a gift. Salvation is not a reward for the good we have done. So none of us can take any credit for it. It is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. You see, freedom from whatever is holding us back is our portion. It's what Christ paid for us. He's given us a blank check. Whatever your problem is, you fill it in on the check. Okay, if we go back in, when we grew up checks were still relevant. so I assume now God has given us a credit card and He's given you the pin number. okay? You've got God's credit card in your pocket and you've got the pin number. And he says, go and deal with your problems because I've already paid. I've put money in this card and you can do what you need to do with it. It's not on your effort, Or based on your situation. So whatever you need is already filled in. In that place. Oh Shindaranaka. John 1 and verse 17. From verse 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So it talks about a word. And then it says he. And that's often... If you look at different translations of this John 1, you'll see some talks about Christ and some talks about the word. Because the the word that was used there in the Greek was the word logos, which is the written word, the firm word, the word that never changes. It's the Jesus. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life. Was the light of all men, and the light shines in, shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So Jesus is shining right into your situation, right into whatever you're facing, whatever your heart's prayer is. All you've got to say is, God, reveal to me that I can comprehend the light, that I can understand how does you how are you going to get me through this, and what do I need to do? And how does it figure out together? Because what happened is that although the light was shining, so many of us didn't understand it. So many of us say, I don't comprehend it. Then uh, let's jump to verse 10. um, Or let's go to verse 9. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. How sad is that, that God has made a way out for the whole of the human race. And so few people grab onto him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we were born not out of anything else. We were born again into the household of God. And it's that unmerited favor. You can't do anything to deserve it. You don't have to be good enough. You can't allow Satan to say to you, you don't belong because of this or that. All you do is believe that God's got you. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld his glory, and the glory as of only the begotten of the Father, full of grace. What is grace? Unmerited favor. So Jesus came with like a bank balance full of favor for you, with like just enough to meet all of your needs. And you don't have to do anything to deserve it. It is just yours. Full of grace and truth. And often people trip over that one. They want Jesus to be only full of grace. He mustn't sometimes put his finger on, hey, there, I want you to sort that out. doesn't mean that you don't deserve grace. But he wants to take us on a road of continual growth, of continual change, of continual stepping into the next area. So he's full of grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Sorry, verse 16. And... Of His fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. When I want to read those same scriptures just in the Living Bible because it's, it's, it's quite difficult to understand sometimes. But you, I want you to see both of the translations because it's, it's so rich. Before anything else existed, there was Christ with God. He has always been alive and is Himself God. He created everything there is. Nothing exists that He didn't make. Eternal life is in Him. And this life gives light to all men. His life is the light that shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. If you are the only one who is believing. You've got more power than millions not believing. The darkness, doesn't matter how dark it is. It cannot extinguish the light you have. Verse 11 Even in his own land and among his own people, the Jews, he was not accepted. Only a few would welcome and receive him. But to all who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. All they needed to do was to trust him to save them. You see, all we need to do is give up trying to do it in our own strength. Give up trying to fight for it. All those who believe this are reborn. Not a physical rebirth resulting from human passion or plan but from the will of God. It's God's will to take us on a process, to take us on a thing and saying, everything started new. I'm referring to baptism again. I'm referring to that Red Sea moment in your life when you say, I'm leaving everything else behind. Egyptians, you will never touch me again. So the very problem that you had before you got baptized, that problem will never touch you again. And Christ became a human being and lived here on earth. Among us, and was full of loving kind, loving forgiveness and truth. And some of us have seen his glory, the glory of only the Son of the Heavenly Father. Verse 16 We have all benefit from the rich blessings he brought to us, blessing upon blessing heaped upon us. What does blessing upon blessing mean? Does it mean scraping through and just making it from day to day? Am I misunderstanding the Bible here? Well, blessing is sort of like living at the bottom of the barrel and every day just being given enough to survive for that day. No, blessing upon blessing talks about overflow. Amen. I'm loading Amen. in something inside of you. Wow. I'm doing something new. God is shifting. Um, praise God, this is not Hannes 1 verse 1, although it's in Afrikaans Bible, you This is not, <laughs> I didn't write it, but for Moses gave us only the law with its rigid demands, and merciless justice, while Jesus Christ brought us loving forgiveness as well. God is saying, Hallelujah. I take you as you are. <laughs> if you sit here and stand here, it doesn't matter if you are feeling like Goliath is totally ruling you and the Egyptians has got you, and you have nowhere out. If you feel cornered by life, God says, I've made a way. I can open the Red Sea. I can do the impossible. I can do more than what you can imagine to change your situation. Oh, Lord Jesus, I'm praying for changed situations. I'm praying for an understanding of that kind of trust that makes us your children, Lord God. That we don't only sort of like take a flicker of the word. But we have that complete victory like the Israelites had When the Egyptians were cut off completely. You see, our victory comes when we have a moment of revelation of how much God loves us. I think I've shared this before. As a young man, I was in the army and an Afrikaans person just beginning to go to an English church and (coughs) battling with some of the words. Grace, I couldn't understand what Grace meant. Sang the song Amazing Grace, but it didn't mean anything to me. I didn't understand what it meant. And one day I was alone on guard duty in a quite a forsaken, faraway place. And I'd been there for like 24 hours and started the previous night and about midday the next day. Walking around, and I had a little Bible this size. And this Bible was dirty, it had been through mud and dirt. And I've swam with the Bible in my pocket, it was really a messed up Bible. But I opened it, and I said, God, what does this word grace mean? I don't understand it. And I read there, unmerited favor, undeserved blessing. I was jumping this I was alone. There was nobody around. I could scream and shout because I understood the word grace. And I'm praying that nobody leaves here without understanding that grace is undeserved favor. Undeserved. You see, and that revelation can only happen through an encounter with God. We pray here regularly, God, let people have an encounter. What we're actually praying is we we'll let them have a revelation. Let them have a fresh understanding of how much God loves them and how much God wants to take them on a journey Amen. to better days. Amen. You see, if you have a revelation of grace, the unmerited favor, you're on a road. If you have a revelation of God's love that says there's no end or no way that you can mess up enough that he stops loving you. You need to have a revelation of that. You see, the word of God is called the logos. It is the word that never changes. But a revelation in the Bible is called a rhema. It is a moment where something that's written in the Bible becomes alive to you. Where something that you've read a thousand times suddenly impacts you here on the inside. And so every church service, this is what I pray. That God takes something of the Bible and make it alive to you. That you have that moment. If you have a revelation of what His love is, the agape love that is unconditional. If you have a revelation of the born again experience, the rebirth, the restart, the fresh day that the old stuff has no more influence on you, that you are a new man and that you are a child of God, if you can have a revelation of that, if you can have a revelation of repentance. And I just are quiet. <laughs> you see, if suddenly you understand that repentance is not saying I'm sorry. Repentance is saying I'm changing. Repentance is saying, I am not going to keep on going the same way. Yeah. If you can have a revelation of forgiveness. That God has paid a price for you. that Whatever you've done, right or wrong, he's not holding it against you. Whatever you say yourself not good enough, then Jesus says you are good enough. And you can list all your faults. Mostly, you don't need the forgiveness of God. You just need to forgive yourself. Mostly as a child of God, you already has his forgiveness. But you're walking in condemnation. God is saying, today, I want you to just understand that you're forgiven. I'm not holding it against you. That's what God is saying. If you can understand That you're good enough in his eyes. You are good enough. You don't have to do anything because he has done it all. When you get a revelation of that, your life changes. Can I have the team up with me please? Oh, Shindaranaka. Ephesians 2 and verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not by of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works that anyone should boast. By unmerited favor, you've been pulled out of your life as you thought, this is my lot in life. And God says, I'm doing something completely different. When you had been a slave like the Israelites were, for hundreds of years, for many generations, then you think your life can't change. Then you think there's no way that it can work. What I hear people say, it is for other people, but it's not for me. It's for other issues, but it's not for my issue. God says it's specifically for you today in whatever you're facing. Online, if you're sitting in your home, And you can give a whole list of why you are disqualified. You can give you a whole list why God can't save you in this moment. I want to tell you, God gave the picture of how he saved the Israelites. So that you can know your impossible situation can also be touched and changed.